0: That's pretty cool. Thanks, Mikey. (laughs) Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's good to see you here. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Tanya, and uh, I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, Before we start, why don't I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've gathered here on the very first Sunday of this year, ready to receive from you, ready to hear from you, ready to be empowered for you for the things that, that you have planned for us to do this year, Lord. In your name, we pray, Amen. Okay, well, who ha- who here has siblings? Anybody here has siblings? Yes, yes. Uh, did you ever grow up comparing how much of something you had to what they had? Because, because I definitely did. <laughs> like, who got the bigger room when you moved to like a new house? How many presents you got at Christmas time, or or who got the biggest serving of food? Now, I'm one of eight siblings. Okay, and we love food in our house. And uh, usually, sometimes after dinner, we like, to, we like to have dessert. And dessert usually was um, Neapolitan ice cream. Does anyone remember that? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Mum would always buy Neapolitan ice cream because she said it was, like, cheap. Um, she had eight kids, so she was, like, making a stretch <laughs> Anyways, any time we would have ice cream, someone would be, like, delegated the role of serving the ice cream. And by delegated, I mean you were told to do it. And... Um, sometimes when I would do it, what I would do is I'd serve my siblings first and then I'd serve myself first. Now, anyone looking at this little scene happening would think, oh, that's so nice of her serving ice cream to her siblings first. She must be a really good big sister. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, it was strategic, okay? I served them first because I would give myself extra scoops of ice cream okay it's all it's all strategic everyone you you grow up in an island family when it comes to food you got to be stealthy and swift (laughs) why am i telling you this story (laughs) what's the point of me turning myself in the point is purpose purpose intention motive purpose makes a difference whether it's as silly as sneaking extra scoops of ice cream or something as challenging as finding a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Purpose makes a difference. So we read on the very first pages of Genesis how God made this world with intentionality. From verse 1 we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. As you read through Genesis 1, you learn of how the Lord spoke different parts of the world into existence, from the sky to the land to the diverse ecosystem of vegetation, from celestial bodies to creatures of the sea, air, and land. And the last of his creation was the most intentional act of creation. Verse 27 tells us, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became a living being. Now, the Hebrew word used here for formed describes the action of an artist, a sculptor or a potter. It's a specific term that's always used for work being done on on an existing substance, which means God literally formed mankind from the dirt. Now, the kicker is this isn't what made humanity alive. No, at that point, we were just a sculpted form of of dirt, really. No, what brought humanity to life is what God did after the formation, and that was breathing his life into that lump of sculpted dirt and turning it into a living being. All life began with God, but human life began with the breath of God. In essence, without God, we would not live. Now turn to your neighbor and tell them you're not just a piece of dirt. (laughs) We mean that with all the love in the world. (laughs) Now... Based on what we've read in Genesis 1 and 2, we learn that God made this world on purpose, and He especially made us with purpose. Yes? I read earlier that God made humanity in His image and likeness. Do you know that you bear the image of God? Do you know that you are made in His likeness? Because you do, and you are. Regardless of your history, your circumstances, whether you believe in God or not, the choices that you've made or others have made for you, what others have spoken of, over you or what you have spoken over others or yourself. The fact of the matter is that you bear the image and the likeness of God. Now let that truth simmer, sink in, because once it does, you're going to be whipping out your phone, you're going to ask Siri, 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 Play me a whole new world by Disney's Aladdin. Yeah, because that's, that's what it feels like. A whole new world has opened up to you. When you realize that you are meant to be here, you were made on purpose. And the interesting thing is he doesn't stop there. With God, there's always more. You've got to expect that. Not only did he make us on purpose, but he made us to live with purpose. So how do we live with purpose? Well, we read in Matthew 6:33, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need." The first step we need to make, to take the first step we need to take to living a life of purpose, is to pursue God and His kingdom, as a totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must prioritize investing in our relationship with him. It has to be a non-negotiable. The Lord's brother James wrote, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You want a life driven with God-given purpose? Then I encourage you, come close to God. Walk with him. Live with him. And as you do, you will find out who God really is, what his character is like, what his voice sounds like, what his plans are, and his plans for you. Here's some things you can do to help you move in that direction. If you have a Bible at home, open your Bible. Open it and read it. You don't know where to start? Start with John. It's a great way to get introduced to God. Practice praying. Get real good at talking with God. And not only talking to him, but listening for him. One thing you've got to remember about prayer is that it's a conversation. It's not just you doing all the talking. You've got to listen to what God has to say to you. Get connected to a local church. Need I say more? Here's a local church. Come get to know us. You want to find out where God's people are? Well, they're here at church. Just come on a Sunday. They're always here. join a connect group. I cannot emphasize enough how important is how important discipleship is in a Christian's life. All this is to say make earnest attempts to seek God and seek his kingdom because there's a promise attached to it. This is what he says in Jeremiah. In those days when you pray I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly you will find me. So once again, if we want to live a life with purpose, we must pursue God and his kingdom. Now going back to Matthew 6:33, the second part of that verse records Jesus saying, "And he will give you everything you need." Now this part of the verse has time and time again been taken out of context to mean that, you know, if we seek God, maybe he'll give me everything we want, everything I want in life. Maybe he'll, he'll bless me with an infinite amount of material goods. Well, I'm here to say that's not the case. Sorry. The context of this part of the verse is referring to basic human needs like food and clothing. This verse comes at the end of the point that Jesus was making about not living in constant worry and how our needs will be met. Look around you. Cost of living has gone way up. People are frantic. People are looking for ways to save How am I going to eat tomorrow? How am I going to drive to work? What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? Those sorts of things. He was telling us, don't worry. Do not worry. What we need to do instead is to trust that the Heavenly Father will meet your needs as you go about seeking Him and His kingdom. Okay. It's very important that we get this verse right. Our pursuit of God's kingdom and his righteousness must be sincere. God is not a means to an end. The resources flow from the source, not the other way around. Sometimes when we're striving to have purpose in our lives, we look to the resources available to us first instead of going to the source himself. There's a storybook called You Are Mine by Max Lucado. I don't know if you've read it, but it's a pretty good story and it's about a little Wemmick by the name of Punchinello. If you've never read the story, Wemmicks are a small wooden people who, who have been carved by a woodworker named Eli. In this story, the Wemmicks compete with one another to see who has the most and the best looking boxes and balls in town because what they want to do is they want to appear better than the next person. Like the Wemmicks, we can compete with each other, right? Sometimes we set unrealistic standards for ourselves so we can appear to be more important than everyone else. We pursue having a successful career, relationships, fame, fortune, recognition, even building a successful ministry, thinking that's how we'll get our significance, that's how we'll get purpose in our life. But we weren't made for that. We weren't made to live in such a way that we think that life is all about us. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things, do the good things he planned for us long ago. We were made to be in relationship with God and to do the good works he had prepared for us to do, the kind of works that reflect his love to the world and points people to him. I'm not saying that having a successful life is a bad thing. I'm not saying that you should strive less for excellence in your job or in your relationships or in your ministry. I'm saying that whatever you do, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, your job, whatever, let it flow from the truth that you are loved by God, that he made you on purpose and to live with great purpose. Can I have the team come up? Thanks, guys. Now, in the story of the Wemmicks, Punchinello ends up stumbling into Eli's house. Eli takes the opportunity to remind Punchinello what makes him special. It wasn't because he had the most boxes or balls. No, Punchinello was special because he belonged to Eli and he was loved by Eli. However you came today, whether you stumbled into God's house, or you regularly attend each week. You need to know that your worth and your purpose is derived from the thing, not from the things you have or the work of your hands. It's derived from who you are. You are God's and you are loved by him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here tonight. Wherever everybody's come from, from the weak, wherever they are right now, Lord, you see where they are. You see where each person is at. You know them by name. And I pray over them, Father, whatever it is that they are striving for, Lord, let it be to your glory. For those that are hungry for more, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will pour out onto them, Lord. Give them vision for this year. Give them purpose for the year, Lord help them to see where where they can go with you father we give this word over to you we give ourselves over to you In your name we pray jesus amen